but it, I think that gets us started in terms of conversation as I've continued to be like, oh man, wrestling back and forth. I think I want to start with why do you think we as a whole, I got to back up one second. This is Destin Garner. He is the teaching pastor at Rock Point Church in Flower Mound. Destin and I got to work together many, many years ago for a short period of time, but have been friends ever since. And I have always been a fan of Destin since the first time I made him ride a miniature crotch rocket in an interview. <laughs> Most memorable interview of my life. Yes, indeed. I was so intimidated by you, Case. But, you know, thanks for hey, I, I didn't fall. And I felt like I got the job just because I didn't fall off that dang thing. <laughs> that, that one exercise is was our ability to measure uh, character competency and chemistry all three in in one moment 10 second ride yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly so that's awesome destin has gone from student pastor actually part-time middle school pastor middle school. was his first role all the way to being the now lead, lead teaching, teaching pastor. pastor wow <laughs> and oh, one fun. of even though we're friends and it's like, of course, you're going to say this. Destin legitimately is one of my favorite speakers to listen to right now. So incredible. Uh, if you have not heard him, go to rockpointchurch.org, P-O-I-N-T-E.org, and you can uh, click on their messages, resources. I think, is it under messages or resources? Yep. It has that recent messages right there at the bottom. Okay, so, cool. Yep. Great. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, for sure. So let's get into this, though. As a whole... And I'm not saying at Rock Point uh, because I think you guys are sure. winning and we'll get into some of that in a little while. But why do you think the American church as a whole right now is losing? Like mm. we're losing. You know, even, even before we started recording, you and I were just talking about uh, uh, a veneer and a fakeness and a show. Um I think people just feel like that's the, the keys to success maybe is like, we have to, we have to do this. We have to put this on. We almost have to pretend in a sense. And um, I don't know. I felt like that just uh, kind of corniness maybe worked uh, in the nineties, but man, our, our world's just a different place. It's a lot more grittier. It's a lot more raw. And I feel like what's winning now um, is not, it's not polish, but it's passion. You know, it's not it's it's not veneer, but it's vulnerability, right? It's the the transparency of just going like, you know, I, I still believe Jesus and the church is is absolutely uh, the best, and um, but it's just trying to show that I think to a, in, an authentic world that you know we're post post Christian society. I do not think that Christianity is the the major thinking. We don't carry a, a majority, maybe by numbers, but it just doesn't feel like a culture. Um, that that's the way it is. And so uh, it's harder work than ever before uh, to show people the worth of the gospel. I think they think of church and go like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I think it's good for you, but not for me. Or how does it really affect race? And how does it really affect uh, marriage? And how does it affect my, my family and my business and all those aspects? And so if we're not speaking to that, um, we're just pretending like that stuff doesn't exist. So kind of rambling a little bit there, but, but maybe that's why uh, the churches are winning, I think are being, they're being real, they're being authentic. Uh, and the churches that are not are just clinging to maybe old tradition uh, or a model that, that used to work, but 
that feels like it's dying. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? You've been a few other contexts. I think if we, I want to back up a little bit. Cause like, as I asked that question, you start answering, I was like, and maybe we should paint it some more boundaries for us to play in uh, context and verbally wise. How do you define a win? And at the same time, how do you define a loss? Uh, because and the reason I'm asking that is because I feel like our conversations consistently, what's unique about you is I can ask you a question that has a negative, hey, here's the, here's the runway. And you'll end up on the other side and you're like, I'm speaking positively. So I'm like, why are we losing? You're like, okay, here are the things that you would do uh, if you're a church that's winning. <laughs> like that's how you answer the question. So define win and define loss in terms of Destin Garner as a lead pastor, as you are measuring what's happening with your people and in uh, your sphere of influence or man, this is our community. Yeah, absolutely. I love that case. Yeah. For me, the win, it's a great commandment, the great commission, you know, are our people loving God with all that they are, you know, um, heart, mind, soul, strength, you know, their whole force, their whole intellect, all their emotion. And is the great commission happening? Are we going into our neighborhoods, into communities and our schools? Are we making disciples, teaching people to uh, follow and obey Jesus? And so that, you know, butts, bucks, you know, or nickels and noses, that's not the win. I think those are dashboard metrics of, you know, uh, healthy things grow, right? So you got to pay attention to it. But to me, the win is it's life change, it's transformation. You know, are we seeing people coming to Christ? Are they growing in their faith? Are they being ministered to? And are we sending people out to serve on mission? And I think another part of this health that we're having conversation are, is it a safe place for people to to wrestle through and go through and stumble and figure things out and be called out? I mean, we're just I mean, people are going through, I got so many people right now, like walking through divorce, um, uh, students questioning their uh, sexual identity and stuff like that. Uh, people uh, battling cancer and trying to, you know, is God a good God if I've got a, you know, stage four terminal diagnosis? And so those are things to me that are the more the wins. Um, a church that's losing, I think is a church that does, it just prioritizes how many people can we get in the door? What kind of big events can we throw? How many likes on Facebook? Yada, yada, yada. It just feels, I mean, that feels, you know, it, it feels like you're doing that for yourself. And a win is, is pouring out of self. You know, it's not seeing how big I can get and how, how high I can climb, but how many others I can lift up. And so, at least for me, at least at Rock Point, our context, sure, we want to see people come in the doors, you know, but really for the point of coming to Christ, life being changed, serving, sharing the gospel. So that's, that's kind of what I'm defining as a win for us case. How do you, so do you guys do, and, and I, I don't know the answer to this. So uh, I don't, I have some insight, insider information about rock point. Cause I've been at the table a couple of times and in the room and the names you drop uh, most of those guys I know, but at the same time, I don't know the answer to this question. With that being said, hey, here's what a win is. Do you guys do an evaluation or like, do you, do you sit down and go, okay, life change. I'm going to, I'm listing the names right now, not for the sake of counting, but I'm going to go, man, okay, I can go in the last six months. Here are the names of the stories of life change. Here are the names of the people who have said, yes, like I'm going to trust Jesus and like dunk me in a tank. I am in 
I got a list of those names, people that are being the story you mentioned, uh, you know, a minute ago, stage four terminal cancer, not only how are we walking through that, but how is that person? How is that family? How are those around that? Like, how is that going? And are we doing it? Are we doing our part to pick up what is scripturally? So like as a pastor, you do this as an elder, this is what you do. Yes, we're doing that. And we're seeing this response. Do you guys do like uh, tangible measurables and then to go, man, the tank is lower than it was, or the bucket's lower than it was 12 months ago. Did something change? Did we do something? Do you have a process that does that? Yeah. One of it is case we, as far as, are you becoming, you know, what we say here is loving God with all you are by coming, making more and better followers of Christ. So we ask this question, you know, how, how do you determine if someone's becoming a better follower of Christ? That's highly subjective. We have a couple thousand people run around this church. So there's no way that, you know, Pastor Destin is going to know if you're becoming a better follower of Christ. Yeah. So we devised and created kind of a self-assessment tool uh, that we've crafted, created, put out in front of the church, talk about it usually at the beginning of the year. Um, it centers around <clears throat> kind of four things, believe, belong, become, beyond. Within each of those, there's kind of some subset questions of like, you know, first of all, we want to start with belief. Have I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my savior, full life commitment to there? We want to start there. That is the most important. The the belong part, we want you in a group. We, we don't think that Christianity is something you do alone in isolation. You know, so whether it's a, a Bible study, a small group, a men's coffee group, a ladies table, yada, yada, we want you highly value in community uh, and then become becoming more like Christ. And that's through, through study, through mentorship. So there's a couple of different little subsets there. <clears throat> and then that going beyond component, you know, we don't want consumers of the church. We want contributors to the church. We want people going beyond the walls of the church, beyond themselves, making a difference in the community around the world. So those are kind of the four like quick little metrics that we just put on our congregants and say, man, here's 12 questions you could ask yourself at any time. You can ask yourself in a small group and accountability. How are you doing in these areas? So we kind of let them self-assess on that. The numbers we keep an eye on, I'd say the biggest one for us is baptism. Um, right. And we have a, a story group. So every baptism comes through, we make them write out a testimony. We meet with them every you cannot be baptized unless you meet one-on-one -on -one with a pastor. <clears throat> and so we have them do that, go through, and that's where we kind of get the story that we're able to, to share there. Uh, the, the rest of them, you know, the uh, someone with cancer, it's anecdotal um, measurements. But one of the things, Case, we did, you know, a while back, maybe two, three years ago, is uh, this is the first time in the history of our church we have now the role of deacon. And uh, deacon has so much baggage to it. I uh, think because yeah. it's, you know, typically unbiblical where they're, you know, decision-making bodies. And I don't think we see that in scripture. <clears throat> you know, they're through the dirt. They're carrying the towel. They're what I call in our church leaders of service. And so we got to a point in our church where we're so large and there's these needs to be met. So we raised up a group of people per the uh, description of, of what a deacon qualifies as. And, and now they do three things for us. You know, and this kind of shows you what our scorecard is and what we evaluate. Number one, their assimilations. So they're helping with the membership process. So brand new people coming into Rock Point, we take some of our highest capacity, biggest leaders and say, man, we want to partner with them so you can get assimilated, connected into the body. So value. Number two, they do, after every service they attend, they go to the front and they pray. 
We just want to be available to hear people, their stories, minister to them and pray. The third and final thing they do is what I call midterm care. And so there's these situations. So I've got one case where, you know, a husband walks out on a wife. Okay. She didn't work for 20 years. He leaves, he takes the money, he takes everything. Da, da, da. She's broken. She's hurt. She's got to redo her finances. You know, now someone doesn't need to walk alongside of her for the next seven, eight, nine years. You know, she's a high capacity woman, but just needs some kind of midterm help. It's not like one ride to a hospital or one meal. Yeah. So this deacon family, this deacon couple, husband and wife, come in with her to love on her, to spiritually help her and go, okay, now we can help reset your books and let's rethink about this and let's find you a way to get a job. So that kind of care component, you know, someone who, who has a spouse who died of cancer, you know, deacon come. So kind of shows you our scorecard that we rose up a group of people and vet them through and say, we want assimilations, we want prayer, and we want care. Again, we just have anecdotal stories about yeah. that. But what we're positioning, I think, shows some of our priorities there. I agree. The fact that you are, that's like, that's, it's one of those hard things. Going back to something you said earlier, like the veneer fake 90s that then, I'm going to, I'm going to like weave in and out of conversations for a minute that I think helped produce the culture and society we live in now. And meaning like how, like how did we get a human with a penis participating in the NCAA division one collegiate championship, 500 meter freestyle <laughs> women's event win. Five. And we all said, Great. Not all of us said it, but as a culture, we stamped it and tweeted yeah. it and took a picture and everything. You know, how did we get there? Well, the 90s church helped lay the groundwork for where we got. And, and not only that, this that that's that's like the far push. Like I just pushed a hot button and, and probably got silenced for a little while. <laughs> Let's go to the other side. As a group of believers, there there is a there's a subculture right now of people my age who grew up in that environment who now, as we are raising kids, are not raising strong children. And when our kids face adversity, we immediately run to, man, we got to fix it. Like they can't experience hard things. They can't experience failure. They can't experience rejection. They can't experience X, Y, Z. Life has to be fair. I paid for this. They deserve it. Entitlement. It's, it's insane what we are now creating. And so like what that 90s church culture, again, I think helped mold us is now making us mold. It, it's just, it's a, there's a, there's a ton of brokenness going, not as if the world hasn't been broken since uh, Genesis three. Yeah. But so I like, when you were like, Hey, what do you think? I think that is one of the major pieces is for this, even like the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Like, like that's five decades of a stream of poor leadership, not everywhere. Not like I don't, I don't think all the churches are losing. I don't think all the churches are are broken. I don't think every, but I think as a whole, we're not winning. And I think it it came from as we continue to build on the foundation in our country on Christianity. There are a lot of broken pieces, 
and there's broken pieces being built on broken pieces. And we're just, it, yeah. it's so disjointed right now. Um, Can I jump in and throw a story in there about yeah, that? Yeah, do it. I mean, so dealing with this right now, um, you're talking about that, the, the fake uh, church and how that affected even some of our, our young students. So uh, a girl that I'm very close to, uh, when she was 13 years old, her brother had, had an aneurysm and, and had a wreck <clears throat> and wound up in the hospital. So he's there three months. They're trying to save his life. And a spiritual leader, spiritual authority, pro probably good intended, well-minded, comes to this 13-year-old girl <clears throat> and gives a verse out of John that says, this shall not end in death. These are the words of Jesus. And you can claim this on your brother. So what are they trying to do there? They're trying to give hope. They're trying to give encouragement. But guess what happens? Her brother, brother dies. dies. So what does that do to a 13-year-old's faith when a spiritual authority and leader, well-minded, good intended, misquotes, misappropriates a Bible verse? And she's like, but I thought the Bible was true. And I thought this person told me that. But now my, now my brother died. She's been working through that and trying to, you know, for, for many, many years. And then we kind of, you know, talk about the, the kids today. You're like, man, this is the, this is the passage I'm preaching on. I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. And it's just not on the surface level. We take that, we put it on a coffee cup or a pillow. But man, when you look at the context of it, Paul's not talking about doing great things case. He's talking about doing the hard, difficult, lowly, I've been beaten, shipwrecked, in prison. I can endure all things is a better way to translate that and so that's where i think it's talking about that the, the missing the reality you kind of throw these bible things out there like it's all good oh just rejoice always no don't rejoice always the text says rejoice in the lord always in your cancer in the death in job loss that sucks but in the midst of suck i can find joy in jesus always so that's kind of where i'm going with like pendulum swing of just like you know, what has been fake? And I think we need to get more beyond the surface and get more real and address the, 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 the questions. And so, yeah, thanks. Let me share that. To, uh, to grab the coattails and get drugged down the road with you, Paul finishes up writing to Timothy and he says, like, I am being poured out like a drink offering, like it's done. And we like to, uh, cheap, shallow, ungrounded, proven, tested faith in, in our culture would take Philippians 4.13 and go just what you said to start with, like there's a misconception and we forget the, the intel of that story is Paul is saying, that's where I'm going. He's not in Philippians. He's not there. He's not even close yet. He's been through a bunch of crap, but he's not close yet in terms of, man, what else is he going to go through? And he gets to the other side in what you said, like he was able to endure because of that. It wasn't that he was doing these great things. He's like, I'm going to die. I am going to die. And this is how I'm going to be able to do it and still accomplish what God verbally said, Paul, this is what you will spend your life doing go. And that's how he was able to do it to go. It, I would at the the last podcast I did shifting gears from doing parenting stuff to to back where I ended up starting. I mentioned Paul in that, and just like 
there are there's certain things that man went through the thorn in his side that he continued to ask God to take away that he didn't. We're not sure what that was, but there, I, I think Paul clearly, I, I think it communicates clearly. Paul had some kind of chronic pain, whether it was mental or physical or both or whatever that was that he continued to ask Jesus for help and, and had to rely on. I think daily Paul was like, okay, this one's on you. This one's on you. And, and he carried life that way. And I don't think Paul counted. I don't think he counted numbers. I think he could, t- if you sat him down or like, Hey, tell me the story of, he could talk for days on yeah. end about like, let me tell you the stories of life change and the things mm-hmm. we had to do in Philippi or in Ephesus, or, you know, when I was in Jerusalem, here's what happened when I was in Antioch. And I was, you know, when we were on the boat, it just like, you know, when I was in jail and I'm talking to these soldiers who are watching like there there's so much that that guy could have told and i don't think he, sure. pro- he probably didn't keep a journal in a book of like salvation today was <laughs> you know check yeah, check right. check and who attended and all that uh so i like i love the way that you said like here's how we anecdotal i think is the the word you said like yeah. you don't have hey here it is on uh, on our measurable, there's, you know, 150 fill in the blanks, but rather, yeah. Hey, as we're caring for a group of people, we noticed the same way the early church did. We have all these women that we can't feed because we're busy trying to teach these people what Jesus taught yeah. us and, but yeah. they have to eat and we can't do it. So you guys have to do it. And it, yeah. same thing of like, it's what's been interesting as I've, as you and I've spent some, some time together as of late, the amount of things that are happening to you guys that are every, every story you've shared with me is like a, man, that's like a once in five to 10 year story. And you have five or them every six other of week. them. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, which, which means that I think that's enough, that's a tangible measure to go it's one of two things. Either you guys are doing something really wrong <laughs> or you're doing something really right. It, and, it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. open to being wrong. Yeah, open to being, yeah. Uh, which is one of the reasons why I would shove and go, it's probably, uh, I don't know how to use the phrase when people are like, man, it's probably the latter. I don't know what that actually means. I'm not sure which. So <laughs> which, I, which one's I, the former and the latter? Yeah, Yeah. right. Uh, I, I think what you guys are, I think you guys are driving the ship really well and i wouldn't have said that a decade ago i would have i would have pushed hard the other side and i think you've done a great job i think ron's did a a great job i think alan's done a great job that that lead staff that lead team i think you guys have done an incredible job and i like i love i love getting to sit down and hear hey here's not the negative things but the the positive things and and the way that you are handling what you're handling um well, I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more, and I'll let you take over your podcast again. Yeah. <laughs> you're, talking about, you're talking about, like, what would Paul count? And I just couldn't help but think, like, I think you maybe not count individual believers, but he count the churches he started. And it's actually yeah. something we're doing is uh, we have this thing called the 1050 Vision. In the next 10 years, we want to plant, foster, and adopt 50 churches. So you talk about multiplication. Wow. You talk about winning. You talk about exponential growth. That was a thing for us. Of just like we've kind of looked at our past 20 years and gone like yeah we've kind of seen this in our history let's formalize that you know we're, we're 18 year old church we need to ask ourselves what we want to be when we grow up and this is what we want to be about 
for us, we're not about putting the Rock Point name on the side of a bunch of different buildings around this Denton County of the state of Texas, right? Right. We, we what Leadership Network says, Bob Buford was like, my fruit grows on other people's trees. And we're great with that. We said, if there's anything good at Rock Point, it's because of the grace of God. How dare we not share that? And so we've actually told our staff, you will tithe your time to other churches. So we, we have in our job descriptions now, 10% of our time can go outside the walls to other churches. So we're, we're free consulting, we're helping them. We're, we've got a church plant every year for the next two, three years. And so that was just, you know, That's cool. well, what scorecard do we want to keep? Sure, we'll watch attendance numbers, but could we stand up here in 10 years and have 50 pastors on stage and say, because of the congregation of Rock Point Church, our church is better. It didn't close and now exists. Da, 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 da. That would be a win for us. So maybe for Paul as well. But I, I would, I, there's no way that he wouldn't mark that as a win. Like he was always free consulting. <laughs> that's all the man did. Um, that's really cool. I did. I, I didn't know that one. I'm, thanks for sharing that with me. That's, uh, it actually makes me go, Hey, I need to send you a name of cool. a place that I, that I think might be able to benefit from that. So, um, golly, where were we? So defining when walking through that, Define like define a loss. Man, I'll tell you. A handful case that comes to my mind, you know, one is a student graduates and walks away from their faith. The loss. Um, you know, here's one. This is so tough. This is what I've had to do. You know, some of our personal private conversations, but not ministering uh, to the soul of a sinner. Um, the person who's at fault, the person who is in the wrong, the person who is egregiously messed up. Um, I think it's just so easy to, we're done with you, excommunicate, get out of here. I don't want anything to do, you know, you're not giving, you're not leading. <laughs> you know, it's like, that just, it's so much time. And not worldly benefit, but man, that's something I've truly been convicted on of like the dude that just walked out on his marriage, the dude that's, you know, that's sitting in a, in a solitary confinement right now. Um, the person we had to go fire from staff, those type of things, like, well, there's still a soul and I, you know, still see myself as a bit of a shepherd there. So I think that's a loss just doing that. Uh, not evaluating, not, not taking seriously, uh, the call to the gospel, just being so inward focused, not outreach focused. And those are some of my losses. Maybe missing, yeah, missing next generation, not shepherding well, getting focused on yourself. Uh, yeah, it would be some things off the top of my head. Um, yeah, just allowing people to, to not call them to that deeper walk in relationship with Christ, you know, just to tell them like, God, it's going to be okay. You're fine. Just thanks for coming. Not trying to <laughs> like love it, lovingly ruffle feathers, you know, and call yeah. people to a uh, greater walk with the Lord. So do you, how many guys or does a name come to mind earlier? You said one of the ways that churches that are winning are winning is just like the DNA or the culture of vulnerability, the, 
rawness and the realness of things. Is there somebody inside your team, outside your team, another place that is a guy that everything that you just said with some, some kind of consistency can go, man, I'm, I'm voicing where I'm missing in order to get better at those things. Um, like who's, who's doing that really well right now is a part, instead of like when yeah. guys get together and go, Hey, let me tell you about all the ways we're winning. Yeah. Where's the relationship right now for a pastoral figure to be able to have a safe place. It, it obviously it's gotta be a safe, it's gotta be appropriate, but also it's real to go, Hey man, there's like, I, I have had just, I, I can't talk to this guy. Like you, like the story you just gave, like walked out on yeah. his marriage. Like I, I want to just, excommunicate period <laughs> and that's how i feel right now and i haven't reached out and i know that's a miss for me one i'm confessing that two pray for me in that and i like i'm recognizing i've got to change is anybody doing that i think mark driscoll's really good at that <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> the, the, the the rise and fall yeah might, um might be might so <laughs> i'm gonna run a rabbit trail for a second yeah, yeah, yeah as i'm getting back into the podcast world i'm obviously listening to more podcasts and listening to which is one of one of the ways that i kind of deciphered where should i land was a well what am i interested in and as i talk yeah. about parenting all the time i pull up a parenting podcast and i'm like 10 seconds in and i'm, I'm out and not because, because i'm not interested in parenting i am I do it daily, but I'm just not interested in listening to people talk about it. And, and I always gravitate back towards church, faith, theology, or just stories about, especially entrepreneur things, but just like stories in general, like, man, that's a, and so listening to the Mars Hill podcast. And then I started listening to two other podcasts hosted. It's, it's a group of hosts, but one of them does both. And so it's okay, the, yeah. Hardman, the Hardman podcast. And then the other one is. Um, called the King's Hall. Did I lose you? I uh, just got a call. Sorry okay. if I'm. No, you're fine. Oh, I did lose. I lost Destin for a minute. Gonna pause. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, Case. I didn't no, realize fine. A, a phone call would kick me <laughs> all the way out. Off, yeah. Okay, um, come on, do not. Sorry, bro. No, you're fine, man. I just, I can, I just paused it and waited. Click it. Um, no big deal. I'm going to do, do not disturb. We'll see if that helps Let's at all. If that works. I'll tell a joke in the interim. All right. There we go. <laughs> all right. So you listen to Rise and Fall Mars Hill, but you got so, another podcast. So I listen, I listen into? to Rise, listen to that one, binge listen to that one, and then I did a review on it. And then I started listening to the Hard Men podcast. And then there's another podcast called the King's Hall. Um, and that, that one's new. It's only like four episodes in. But again, one of the guys from the Hard Men started the King's Hall. And he's a pastor with, I think, two other pastors. Listening to, listening to the King's Hall one, those three guys, it was, it was really interesting because they're, they're like strong voices um, the content is good, but at times I'm like, man, these guys are airy. Like it's one of those, like you're listening to, you're like, man, I'd like to hang out with you and drink a beer and do a podcast, but then they'll, they'll go through a series of things. And I'm like, I 
I feel like you're just really arrogant. And I don't <laughs> like we might get in a fight while we yeah. were hanging out. I'm not sure. Because um, you're not arrogant ever. At all. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, which I think is probably why I like them because I'm like, <laughs> it's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You just pissed me off and I'm still in, but I think it's because we operate the same way. Uh, and so, but I'm listening and they, they brought up the Mars Hill podcast. They don't like it or the rise and fall of Mars Hill. They didn't like the podcast, but they also were making fun of Mark and some things of like, they didn't agree with how he let. So it was weird. Cause it was like this strange dichotomy of like, wait, you don't, did you, I can't tell if you liked anybody or you just didn't like everybody <laughs> or if it's a mix of both. Uh, yeah. it was, I mean, it's really funny, but it's like that podcast obviously has had a ton of traction yeah. and I'm hearing it mentioned time and time again, as I'm listening to podcasts inside this world, uh, outside yeah. of guys like NT Wright, who are like, I think Wright's like, I don't even care what y'all are talking yeah. about. I'm going to tell you about Paul and Jesus and theology. Uh, but I think those guys missed the point. I mean, the, the, the point of the podcast is not entertainment. It's not whether you like it or not. The point of the podcast is introspection. I mean, that's how I watched. I'm like, holy crap. I, I am this guy. I would do the same thing. I mean, it's like such yeah. a, a great convicting thing. So whether I you know, like it or not, but I see what you're saying. Like there's this, there's this tension as a speaker, as a preacher, someone who stands on stage and communicates or, or runs a podcast like you do. There needs to be this level of like, I know it. I, I kind of am the expert in the room a little bit on this, but at the same time, I think you got to balance that with, but I'm also a flawed, broken sinful vessel yeah. who just happens to stand here that's hard to find that balance if you're asking me who's doing that well i mean i i've always thought uh just the guy down the road matt chandler i think is one of the best when he communicates with passion i think yeah uh, he's very honest about you know where he's flawed obviously he's very gifted very skilled very talented you know but i think is is quick to admit um you know that he's not perfect and uh i mean i, I do love that uh, I need that in a past, like you said, you know, even before we got on just walking into a church and, and what it's like, you know, I, I always try to tell self deprecating stories, you know, uh, I mean, I literally just did one the other day, like where I'm preaching on do nothing about grumbling or disputing, consider others better than yourself. I wrote that sermon and as I'm driving to church to preach it, uh, a woman pulls into my lane and I scream, you idiot. <laughs> you know, As I just wrote the sermon, I'm like, I don't think I'm showing the worth of the God. I don't think she wants to come to our church. Yeah. You know? And so just telling that, but someone's like, I can't believe, you know, so you got to have it. You're right. That it's a, that is a hard thing for, especially like the pastoral position is a, it's a very seen. It's a very popular. If you're good, you're popular in our world. That's just where for the most part in general, uh, people like you, they like to listen to you. They see you with consistency. Like you're at, at, and especially like as rock point grows, um, for lack of better word, like you're famous inside the room. Sure. As, yeah. as is your wife and your children. It's just like, it, that's just what it is. And that's hard to carry that kind of popularity, fame, whatever, without having the arrogancy that can come with it. And I was terrible at it in my twenties. Like just, I, I loved that part of it. 
And so, as you were saying, as I'm listening to the Mars Marshall podcast, I was I I I enjoyed it because it was entertaining because I like stories like that that are mm -hmm. real and raw, and it just man, it captivated me. But on so much deeper level, it was like, dear goodness, that could have gone south for me. And yeah. in, in the exact same way, thank goodness I just am, I'm not even close to as good as Mark Driscoll is as, as far as speaking goes, as far as a leader, as far as all that stuff, he's just, golly, the man's good. And, yeah. um, it, and I agree. I thought that, that, that helped me to sit down and reevaluate again, even in my forties and to go, not even, I'm not a pastor. I don't have that platform. And there are still daily moments where I'm like, that was probably a miss. And, you know, having to try to reevaluate on driving interactions and same kind of thing. But, but for me, I connect it now with, okay, like what's my kid seeing? He's in the truck with me. Is, is he watching me not only handle situations, right? But is he watching me when I miss, uh, like, what do I do about it? I actually did the, the last time I spoke at rock point, you had asked me to speak to students and it was Genesis three. And I ran with like, what, like, it's not about not sinning. It's about like, what, what do I do when I do it? Like, what's the appropriate response as a believer to handle those things. And I still have mm -hmm. to go back and like on a daily, weekly, whatever reflection basis to go, is my son going to be somebody that has high integrity to when he makes mm -hmm. a mistake, he owns it appropriately. Owns it. And he's going to do that because I taught him how to do it. Not only in our conversations in the things that I expected from him demanded from him, but also showed him how to do Dax is Dax is really good about saying, I'm sorry, I'm wrong and asking for forgiveness, but he's seen it modeled because I was so bad at it. The pendulum swung to the other side to where I had to be much better at it. And then I had to find the approach. People were like, man, you got to stop telling that story uh, in this environment. I'm like, okay, so where do I tell it? Uh, yeah. And the, I, I would say I like me a lot better at 38 than I liked me at 28. Uh, not physical stature, but rather, I feel like I was just a kinder human. And some people are like, I knew you at 38. You weren't that kind. <laughs> you didn't know me at 28. Then. <laughs> um, so, but I, the, what I did learn um, in, in the environment that taught me that was when I was at Watermark and yeah, and that it, it Watermark right now, I would say I, I hear mixed reviews. I haven't been in the room in eight years there, nine years there with any length of time. I've been in, but not uh, with like I've visited once or something. Um, so it's, it's been a while since I've been there in here. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know if the, the, the Driscoll story has created sidebar storylines there. I don't, and I don't know if you've heard anything or not, but I, what I experienced there. So what I can speak to was, that culture while I was there was incredible and the vulnerable, the vulnerability that was not only staff wide, but you saw it with great consistency uh, inside the body of people that were there, the life change that would come out of a leader being willing to share what was wrong and broken with him and his process of not only forgiveness and redemption but the ongoing struggling well with whatever it was and that bringing hope for others 
and then allowing them a safe place to come in and be part of that and then have somebody to help shepherd and, and walk them through those things. That That's was, rare. Yeah, rare. It, that, it was such a rare thing for me, but it's, it was exactly what I needed at that time because of the, the spot I was in and where I had put myself in the decisions I'd made. And so uh, that was a life-changing I mean, it was a radically life-changing experience for me to, to go there and go through that whole thing and to watch that happen and see it happen well. Uh, Todd, Todd Wagner's not there anymore. Which oh, he I, stepped down, yeah. Yeah, which I know I know very, very little. I know like what somebody's told me about a message and then what I've seen in tweets. And then I know what I know about Todd. Um, and the time I've spent with, spent with him and the combos I've had there, I go, I trust what Todd said. Like Todd said when I was there, Hey, listen, if there's a disagreement with an elder and we can't ever fix it, I'll step down. And as I watch that happen and people, you know, I hear people chirping about it and I go, here's what I know. I know Todd and I have sat with him on multiple occasions. Like that guy bleeds. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And, And he is an incredible leader. That doesn't mean that he's not flawed, but I've heard him say, if we can't fix this, I am, con- I'm so convicted and I'm so, I'm afraid of Jesus and not everything else that if this can't be right, the way that it appears to be clear in scripture, then I won't do it. And he stopped doing yeah. it. And, and I was like, yeah. wow, that guy, uh, if anybody had the balls to do it, it was him. Yeah. And I have a for high sure. respect for that. So, uh, it, uh, but I say that with a, like, I'm not in the room anymore. So I, I yeah. can't, I don't know. Um, I used to have a buddy that, not used to, I have a buddy who was at Watermark, uh, JP, when he and I will talk, he will often say, okay, if everything, like if I'm asking for wisdom and he'll go, well, if everything you're telling me is true, like I'm not doubting it, but I'm just saying, if it really is all what you say, then fill in the blank. And um, anyway, so I'm not sure how I got to that other than places that I've seen it done well and where I, I personally learned something significant that saved my marriage was there. And it, and it was that it was the willingness to regularly evaluate what's broken in me and then actually deal with it rather than just paint the picture of success. Yeah. So it's great, man. I love, you know, as you're talking about that, I just reminded me of Pete Briscoe, the time I speak with him, you know, and, and he, I'll never forget this line he said, Casey, he goes, you know, as a mega church pastor with that type of position and power, he said, either you will abuse it or it will abuse you. And I was like, that's, that's lose, lose, you know? Yeah. And, and he did, it, it, it abused him. It was just overwhelming. He took sabbatical. He came back from sabbatical and said, I'm done. I can't. I won't, you know? So it's just a, but I, I, that vulnerability, you know, for him to, to look at that and say, man, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know? So I've always respected him for that and, and always thought like, please God, is there another way, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> I, I've never heard that statement or at least I've never locked that one away. You may, maybe you've said that before in our combos. Um, that resonates though. Like my time in Austin, when I was at Austin Ridge. Yeah. There, I, I had an unhealthy practice of abusing my position at rock point not not egregiously uh i just didn't do it i as a shepherd i did not do it even remotely close to as well as i should have 
because of what I'm limping around with hiding, um, you know, hiding my own sin and not dealing with it. Austin Ridge was the completely different story. And uh, so interestingly enough, like what you just said, the pastor there, he and I were sitting one day and um, I was, I don't know, 12 to 18 months into my position there. And I was still trying to find out like, what's the win for you guys? Like, uh, what does it look like? Help me. And as we're talking through that, he said to me, he was like, Case, listen, success in ministry, um, I can't remember what he said. He said, it isn't about fill in the blank right now. He said, success is still being in it in 20 years. And I was like, mm. wait, what? <laughs> and like, as I was processing through that, because I, I viewed it on the other end of, listen, what I'm doing because his, his win was when he finally was like the win for me, I want it to be, I want you to run the funnest youth group in the city of Austin. That is the home run. When, when people go, Hey, where's the fun group kids are hanging out, Austin Ridge, then you won. That was it. Mm. And so, and I, and I was coming out of being at watermark and all that had happened. And I'm walking into ministry going, Hey, like, the goal for us is when every high school kid in the city of Austin has trusted Jesus and is being shepherded by a group of people. And like, we've got our arms around it. Then we won. And it's real and, with their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that like that, that, and that's how I was. Defined. So we're on two polar opposite ends of the spectrum, which led him to say, listen, my phone is ringing. Can you hear it ring? No, not okay, at all. Cool. So that's just in my ear. Um, so we're on two polar opposite, which led him to go, Hey, listen, you need to slow down. Like, it's not about like, and which I was going, Hey, listen, I'm going to run as hard and fast and as long as I can until I can't run anymore. And he was like, no, man, like we, this is our job. Like we're making careers of these things well, you want to get two years, two, two decades down the road and being able to go, man, this is, uh, this is still my job. So my profession. Yeah. And it like, it was, a comp- it was two, it was like, it was, it, what is the word I'm looking for here? It was insane to me. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, dude, it's what I'm preaching on, you know, do not be anxious. The word anxious is marinato. It comes from a rizzo, which means to rip or to tear and nos, which is the mind. It's a ripping and tearing of the mind. It's a, it's a divided yeah. mind. You know, it's like what fun, you know, this, but also this real, you know, I get it. And I thought success was just daily obedience. I didn't know it was staying in a position for 20 years. So thank you for enlightening me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but, but when you filter through that, when, yeah. you, when you go that route and it is a, okay, I win if I still have a job in 20 years, which means like, I guarantee you as a pastor, you are going to face some situations that it is a, I may get fired if I do the right thing. The right thing. I'm going to do yeah. the right thing because I'm convicted. And now that may be your, like, you may have made a mistake. I did. So like when I was in Austin, when we were there, um, I wasn't, I was not on a church staff yet. And so I was actually, so I had, I was through the interview process and I had yeah. accepted the job, but I had not started yet. And it was still the summer. Ryan and I had planned a trip to Austin for a weekend anyways with some friends. And so we all went and we were going to do some house shopping while we were there. Well, while we're there, 
uh, we're hanging out the pool one day and we're having Coke and, uh, Coke and whiskey. And, uh, I, I, I had never had, uh, a day where we were just kind of like eating and, and, you know, drinking back and forth. And I had too much. And that night I had a full blown panic attack because Coke and whiskey in too many doses, uh, creates a, a crazy manic anxiety attack. So like we mm. call the ambulance paramedics show wow. up that, you know, they take my blood pressure. It's like through the roof and they end up leaving me there. Uh, and like it was all fine, but, and I don't, and I don't know how, like I wasn't like pass out drunk, but I was, um, it wasn't a good spot to where it was like, if sure. these paramedics show up at church and they're like, wait, is this the guy that was like <laughs> in the hotel room that is BP was like 150 over a hundred because he had too much Coke and whiskey. It just, it, that's not a good look. And, yeah. uh, and so we get there, I, I'm working and about a month in, like, I'm, I'm just getting weighed down with like, man, you got, like, you've got to walk, you got to tell your boss what happened. He needs to know. And I'm, I've been here for four weeks Yeah. and yeah. I'm, I might get fired. And it was like, we had just bought a house. We just moved. We sold our house in Roanoke. Like the stakes are very high right now. Yeah. And, and I actually, the, the couple of people I sought counsel from were like, nah, it's not like, don't worry about it. And I couldn't get away from it. And so I was yeah. like, I, I'm sitting there with Ryan. I was like, babe, I'm going to have to do this. And she's like, like, I love you. I trust you. Okay. And so I went in the office, sat down. I was like, Hey, here, listen, this is what happened. And again, it wasn't like I did some kind of like crazy egregious act, but still I had too much to drink and I was a pastor. And if these guys show up. Yeah. Dude, I love, I love that. You do that. I look. so respect you for just doing what's right, doing what's on your conscience. You know, that's incredible. And not but, a lot of people would do, but that is <laughs> a, yeah, I'm going to toot my horn for a minute. Doot, doot. But yeah. that, I mean, that's one of those where it was a, if, if the win is I still am employed here in 20 years. Hmm, you don't, I'm, I'm not doing that. Confess to yeah, spiritual I'm, authority. Exactly. I'm not yeah. going to confess to spiritual authority. I'm not going to walk through the appropriate process, which if I don't do it, like a continual way down, I'm having a quiet time and a prayer time. And I can't think about what I'm praying. Like, I can't think about praying for my kids because I keep thinking not. about, I need to confess sin. Well, like that's the Holy spirit. That's clear. Like, there's no way that's not the Holy Spirit going, hey, hey, hey. You're only as sick as your secrets. And yeah. the first person to out themselves wins. You know, I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. So. But I can fix your problem. You work out too much and you're too skinny. If you had put on 50 <laughs> pounds, you could have a couple more drinks. You could have so had. You could have had all four you of those. Could've. You could five. <laughs> Stop lifting. Oh. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate the, uh, <laughs> appreciate the help on that one. That's, uh, that's great. Uh, well, I don't, again, I'm not sure how I got there other than I, I love the way that you guys are doing things. I love how you are handling position, handling authority, handling promote, being promoted, handling. I mean, you're in, there's one particular situation right now that you are in that we can't give details on that blows my mind. The, what you were doing, going back to the idea of like, how am I defining a win and a loss? 
and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing things that I know are right. And I know that I have to do that. I do not want to do. And, and, and on at least a level don't even agree with. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah. so I not only applaud, but say, Hey, thank you for, thank you for being the leader that you are. And while we're still getting our butts whooped as Christians in America, like you're, you're just as strong in the fight as ever before. And I think probably the best you've ever been. So thank you, brother. And I don't, I don't know if I told you that when all this came to light, you know, kind of an egregious sin at our church, you know, I had to let a staff member go, blah, blah, blah. Um, someone, you know, Don Leith, you know, Don uh, mentioned, well, how are we going to care for, for them? Yeah. And literally in my mind, I said, hell no. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I was protect the organization. Yeah. Don't get tied up with this. Don't, you know, just separate and do 24 hours later. I came back and I had to eat it. Case Cause I'm like, what the heck am I doing? You know, you got to care for the soul. This dude is the worst part of his life. He's committed this. He's been like, go from the church. And, and I, I want to care about not me and the organization. And so, yeah, I go sit minister communion, visit him in jail, you know, all the things. Um, but I, <laughs> hey, the, the nature man, the sinful flesh, absolutely did not want to do it. And it was only through, you know, a, 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 a better believer, someone more mature in their faith uh, to say the right thing. And then the, the whole work of the Holy Spirit to go like, no, you, you go. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to take too much credit. I mean, I did it, but <laughs> it was not immediate faithful obedience. Uh, I th- I think sometimes we don't connect the dots. You know, when Paul writes and he's like, hey, visit the, no, like take care of the widows and orphans and visit those who are in prison. It's not, he's not talking about just the people who are in prison because they are believers. Right. Like not everybody in prison in Rome or in Roman culture society was in prison for a good thing. Like I, I, sometimes there's a disconnect there. Like we miss, like often we miss the, the, the depth in the darkness and the dirtiness of the stories and the culture of biblical times. Yeah. Like we, yeah, for sure. My buddy JP did a series one time on, it was like b- bedtime Bible stories and the way that we teach them to kids. And, and he's like, you know, he's dealing with Noah and it's like, we have the, you know, the felt board and the, the little pictures and the stuffed animals and all the, it's like, ah, the two by twos. And it's like, people were drowning. Yeah. Not, not and not just a handful. Everyone, Everyone. was, yeah. was being climbing on the side of the boat, knocking yeah. on the door. And you never get the flannel board where Noah gets rip roaring drunk and passes out naked after the flood. You know, we don't exactly. get to that point. Yeah. Or when David like cuts the head of Goliath, you know, we just stop, right? The good part, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's like we forget that this is a X-rated movie. For sure. And just For sure. wow. Uh the the things that that humans have done. And as God has continued yet to faithfully sustain the storyline of I am bringing, I am bringing life and I'm I am fixing. I am going to make everything right again yeah. in spite of you people. Uh, <laughs> and even in spite right. of those that I have called to lead David who cuts Goliath's head off, who then has Uriah killed 
but Jesus still shows up through like, I'm still in spite of your mess, I'm still yeah. going to fix it. And that hope that we get to cling to that takes us all the way back to like, why do we want to win anyways? Because we legitimately, I'm without question convinced Jesus is real. He's going to fix it all. And he has clearly made a way for us to have a relationship with God forever and to experience yeah. that life in a way that we cannot fathom. And scripture makes it clear uh, only those who trust Jesus are in that. Absolutely. Which is terrifying. And it's, it's one of those, it's like, I, I just want to be better at being what God called me to. And I keep getting distracted. Yeah. yeah. With all, everything else. Awesome. So sheesh, man, thanks for uh, how long have we been talking. There's a time thing. Absolutely. somewhere. I don't know where it's at. It's been a while. It's been over oh, an wow. hour. So yeah, you have anything else that you want to like anything that we hit that you like, Hey, I, there's something else I want to say about fill in the blank. No, man. No, that's all I'm ready to talk about deconstruction. We'll have to do that one again. Or Sanders. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of conversation. Yeah, we have. So, so Destin will be, as, as we run with this, one of the major topics is deconstruction of the church being a part of the conversation, not because we're trying to take faith apart, uh, rather, I'd like to see those who are hurt, who need to take things apart, be able to, to healthily put those back together. And, Absolutely. and even though we never said it, some of the things that we hit on today, pastors being willing to own their sin, deal with it appropriately, be honest about things. Guys like you who would go, I am doing something right now that I do not want to do. My first response was, oh, hell no. <laughs> and but the same, and when you told me about it, my response was, oh, hell no. I'm like, I've said before, I think you need an agent uh, and I'll be that agent for you. I'll voluntarily at times stand between you and Ron and go, Destin is not doing that. Um, but but yet the healthiness of again, like, why are you guys getting hit the way you are with some things? And part of it is because you were throwing some punches other places aren't. And what you just did, I've, I've watched the flip side. Austin Ridge, a guy that worked for me, his wife left him. Um, and this was after I left. And she left, and it was a crazy story. And rather than shepherding him, being there in the moments, walking him through those things, um, they all but abandoned him, meaning they said, hey, you've got to find another job. And you're no longer full-time staff. But the kicker was they needed him to stay until they found a replacement. And so they were like, <laughs> we're, we're, I don't know if they said we're firing you. We're letting you go because you're getting a divorce. And we need you to keep working. We're not going to pay you full-time. We just need you to be here Sundays to lead worship till we find your replacement. Wow. So it was like. We're not here to help you. We're not here to shepherd you. We're not here to walk through this. We're not here to help handle this in the most healthy way that we possibly can. We want to disassociate ourselves from you as quickly as possible, but we will use you in whatever way mm. we need to until. Uh, so it, again, like, yeah, sure. there's sure there is a about reason. the church. Yeah. Oh, that guy is in the middle of, I don't know that he'd use the word deconstruction, but he's doing that. 
That's what yeah. he's doing. And, yeah. and I can see why because of now, but at the same time, flip it to go, man, my drive is to share. I lived in that environment. I, I was in a place that was very unhealthy. Yeah, you did. But I still would go like, what are the things that helped me stay connected where, man, I was convinced and still am convinced Jesus is real, regardless of another man's actions. Another yeah. man's actions don't dictate the realness of Jesus and my need for him. David killed Uriah. That didn't change the fact that Jesus showed up and David needed forgiveness. And so did Uriah. For sure. So, and I, sure. I, I would like, I want to see the interaction. That is one thing I want to see when I get to heaven and I'm with Jesus. I'm like, where's David and Uriah? Are they close together? <laughs> How is that working right now? Like, yeah, all right. help me understand that relationship. Um, yeah. There's that's a sheesh. <laughs> hey, Only buddy. God can solve that one. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. Wow. Anyways. So man, thanks for, uh, thanks for being here. We will talk deconstruction in the future we will talk uh destin and his wife jamie have a beautiful young daughter named sanders who yeah. has had a heart transplant seven she, weeks old seven weeks old she had a heart transplant yeah yeah and is is she five now four just turn four four okay yes sir oh sassy and feisty is all get out so yeah and, we can get into that and what i learned about god and church and care and yeah good stuff man i love it so we'll have destin back again thanks for being here buddy appreciate you appreciate you brother love you man love you too i'll see you soon all right okay